0: Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Pig Health Today, and with me is Dr. Clayton Johnson. He is a swine veterinarian for Carthage Veterinary Service in Carthage, Illinois. Welcome back, Clayton.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: Always good to have you here. Now, we're going to talk about swine flu, always a very complicated topic, it seems.
1: Yep, yep. And I think the the preferred nomenclature now is influenza virus A. So I'm trying to adjust to it, but influenza virus A, I think, is what we're calling it from from a flu perspective.
0: Okay, we will keep that in mind. But if i stumble and say
1: swine flu please forgive me we may have to police each other
0: (laughs) okay i appreciate that now normally for these uh flu vaccination programs uh the emphasis has been on the pre-farrowing vaccines to benefit the piglets obviously Mm -hmm. um you've been taking a closer look at vaccinating the breeding herd Uh, which is something that I I guess can be somewhat controversial.
1: Yep. It's, uh, It's not a practice that's universally adopted in our industry or really even throughout the world. Um, and it's, uh, it's something where we think we're kind of on the, the bleeding edge of, of innova- innovation and practice, if you will. Um, but you've got to be willing to, uh, to try things when it comes to diseases like influenza that are important. So we do think that we're making some progress. We think that it's more than a wild guess on what we should be doing here with the vaccination program. And we think there's some good science that's helping to, uh, to guide us on what decisions to make. And especially as we have better diagnostics coming available to us, better information, we think there's a way to apply it. So
0: before we get into the details, what prompted this in the first place? Were you seeing problems in the breeding herd that you thought you could fix?
1: Yep, um, really two things uh, with influenza. One is our clients expect us to produce a wean pig that is the right weight and is not coughing. And influenza complicates both of those things. Okay, um, we also want to produce the right number of pigs. And if the sow has an issue with influenza that causes her to lose her litter, causes her to not become pregnant, causes her to not consume enough feed so that our birth weights aren't appropriate, any of those things that we can see, that, that really goes against what we're trying to do in terms of producing a quality wean pig. So the, the, the sow can be affected during her gestation and the piglet can be infected as well. As well. Um, how you manage those is is different, like I said. But even uh, within our practice, we're going to have different strategies for how we want to protect the individual piglet, and then how we want to protect the sow. And what I'm going to talk about here at uh, ASV this year is really about how we try to use a regional program to protect the sow.
0: Yeah, and that word perked my ears. When you talk about a regional program, it defined for me what that means specifically.
1: Yeah, within our practice, the, we work with quite a few herds that are located in the Carthage area, so west central Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be, for the purposes of what I'll discuss here at AASV, the region that we'll talk about. But region's a very broad term. Region yeah. could be a state, region could be a, a neighborhood, could be a county. Uh, much like the the PERS area regional control projects, there's not a set, well, it's this size of box, you know, and you overlay that over the map and that's your region. Region can be defined, and it's really a population of pigs that we think, are likely to share influenza viruses.
0: And what really drives that? I mean, why would it vary from region to region? I know that there are different mutations of the swine flu virus out there, but what does the region have to do with it?
1: well it all comes down to getting the right antigen in your vaccine and to know that you've got to know what influenza viruses are circulating in your region and so what you know what drives a common set of influenza viruses it can be the pigs themselves right the, the sow farm is producing uh, wean pigs those pigs are being raised off-site in most locations today and so where those wean pigs go can be highly variable but if those pigs are moving to a new region they may be bringing some influenza virus with them and then there's also shared uh, we call them risk factors from a biosecurity standpoint. Transportation, uh, people, really any fomites that can travel from farm to farm we would get concerned about. But so anything that connects the pigs from a flu virus perspective, and that can be pigs or that can be biosecurity risk factors, helps to define the parameters of your region, so to say.
0: So tell me about your study.
1: Well, um, I'd say it's a, uh, I'd say it's more practice than a study, to be honest with you. Um, I had a good boss who would always remind me, remember veterinarians, they call it practice for a reason, right? Because there are times where we don't have the, we don't have the perfect information to make a decision on how we're going to manage the health of a certain disease. And no different than how the CDC looks at how can we manage a good vaccine program for people. Well, I think this is going to be the right thing to do and I reserve the right to get smarter next year. And sometimes we're, we're pretty good and sometimes we're not very good, we're the same challenges in um, veterinary medicine. So with um, influenza in pigs specifically, and trying to protect the sow, uh, I'm gonna talk about how we go about characterizing the influenza strains that are in our region, right? So what is the region? How do we find the influenza strains? And then once we find them, how do we characterize them? How do we get them into some sort of an objective categorization program so I can say, here are the the viruses or the family of influenza viruses that are circulating within that region? And then how do we use further diagnostics to try and pick out if I'm going to make a, a, a vaccination decision, whether to use commercial or an autogenous, vaccine, how am I going to select the antigens to go into that vaccine they are going to provide the most amount of of cross protection and most broadly protect the population I'm trying to vaccinate.
0: Now I know that there are several reference tools that are available. I think Iowa State and University of Minnesota Mm -hmm. uh, has one. Uh, how, how are those tools being used in your practice?
1: We would use those really for context. Um, so we do a lot of work within our, our practice to, to identify the actual influenza viruses that are on our farm. So diagnostic steps within our pigs to understand what are the specific strains we have. Those um, Minnesota and Iowa State tools and USDA is another one. Um, we can use those for context to say, okay, here's what we think we are seeing. Let's go look at those, um, those other sources of regional information to say, is our population Population unique or is there something out there that we don't see in our diagnostics today that we should be concerned about because the uh, the Iowa State website or the uh, the the Minnesota or USDA information Suggests that virus is in your area you may not see it in your pigs today But it's in your area and as we know with influenza viruses if it's in your area you will likely see it at some point in time. So it's good context for us. It gives us more of a a broad perspective outside of just the herds that we manage and the herds that we provide veterinary services for.
0: Walk me through the protocol that you would use. I mean, once you've identified which types, or Mm -hmm. would that be the correct word? Correct. Types of flu that you need to to target uh, in the breeding herd. Walk me through the the vaccination protocol.
1: So what we do today is uh, we do a mass vaccination of the breeding herd, and we do that three times a year. We try to target specific seasons in which we think are the highest risk for influenza. Now, unfortunately, um, we don't see the the classic influenza seasons like we think of them. Uh, We see influenza's risk throughout the year. But we do target the the fall, the winter, and the spring as times where we're going to do the mass vaccination and we're going to apply the mass vaccination across all of our herds at roughly the same time. All sows, all gilts? Correct. Correct. We'll go through and we will vaccinate everybody on the farm at the same time, trying to raise up the antibody levels all at the same time and prepare for any new influenza virus introductions that could happen. Um, In the meantime, in between those vaccinations, we'll vaccinate new animals that are coming into the herd, so specifically gilts. Um, The gilts will be vaccinated as part of their pre-breeding vaccination program, Um, but really it's the mass vaccination that we try to target to minimize the impact of any new influenza viruses that come into the herd.
0: Now you mentioned both commercial and autogenous vaccines. How do you decide
1: which tool to use? We really use the, the, the sequences um, as, a, as a first step. Um, so when we get a, an influenza virus diagnostic test positive, right? When I ask Iowa State or Minnesota or Kansas State, any of the diagnostic labs we work with, or even our lab at Carthage, does this pig have influenza? And the lab tells me yes, because I get a PCR positive test. I'm going to ask for a sequence to be done. And so from that sequence, I can see the genetic code of the virus. And I can compare that sequence from one strain to another, or one isolate to another, one case to another. And I get a percent homology. And that just tells me how how much do the two viruses mimic each other. And that's gonna be the first step that we're gonna do. That kind of gets you into the ballpark and lets you look at a dendogram that I'm sure you've seen or had other folks on the, on the, uh, the article series explain where we can compare and look at clusters or families. And that gives us kind of a ballpark. And that can help you to fairly quickly say, is this something I've seen before or is this something that is new and different and I'm probably going to need to be concerned about. From there, you can follow up with some different diagnostic steps. Um, There's been some really good work done on specific amino acids within that sequence that uh, uh, some people who are much smarter than me have ascertained that those amino acids are critical. So even if your sequence is very, very close, if those specific amino acids are off, they appear to be key antigenic sites and if those amino acids are off even if that percent homology is really close you may not be able to expect cross protection Um, and then we also would uh, leverage a a third diagnostic test uh, called high throughput serum neutralization and it's really uh, uh, an estimate um, in vitro, so not in the pig, but uh, in, in vitro of potential cross protection from one influenza strain to another. So we'll use all of those to understand are we dealing with something new, i.e. is this something we did not expect to be in our region, or are we dealing with something that's been in our region? And then once we've got uh, a bunch of viruses to look at, we try to use those additional key amino acids and the, the high-throughput serum neutralization to pick out the specific strains that will have the most cross protection.
0: What kind of results are you seeing as a result of this? Because
1: it sounds like an awful lot of work. It's it's a good amount of work, but our, I mean, uh, the, the book Good to Great talks about the hedgehog concept, right? And we talk about that at Carthage, that our hedgehog is pretty simple. We want pigs that are the right wean weight, and we want them to not cough. That's really what our customers ask of us. So we spend time working on it, and influenza is one of the biggest complicators with both of those, the wean weight and the cough. So it's worth the time and effort. On the results side, um, I would tell you that we're fairly happy with what we've seen so far. We continue to do it, right? So that, that tells you that we think that we're, 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 it's better than doing nothing and it's better than some of the alternative strategies we've tried in the past. Um, it's hard to quantify exactly what the, the impact is. What we do is we generally look at when you have a new virus that comes into the herd, we will try and measure some of the production parameters that we're concerned might uh, conflict with our hedgehog. Right? So wean weights, pre-weaning mortality, um, conception rates we would look at, uh, abortions, lost pregnancies would be something we would look at, and certainly mortality, sound mortalities, guilt mortalities, et cetera. And uh, we feel pretty comfortable that we aren't seeing clinical disasters when it comes to the new influenza viruses coming into our herds. Um, we will also look at those viruses and say, all right. How good was my estimate of what viruses are in our region? And do we have something brand new that I didn't predict or something that I should have been prepared for that I wasn't? And so far, we haven't seen that. Um, we haven't seen that each year we have to radically change the, the antigens that are in the vaccine. We've seen a little bit of, of change here and there and maybe a new introduction. But we haven't seen a wholesale swap of, well, the, the viruses we fought last year are all gone and they've been replaced by a whole new set of viruses. So we're fairly happy with it. You can't
0: talk about flu without talking about genetic diversity, which is really what has spawned all of your work to, mm. to begin with here. What, what can we learn from our management of the highly, highly diverse flu virus? How can we apply that to, to other viruses in, in swine?
1: Uh, This isn't a very scientific answer, but probably one of the things I would tell you is just keep trying. Um, Influenza is terribly frustrating because of the genetic diversity. And I think we owe it to to our clients, which our clients are the pigs. And if the pigs are coughing, if the pigs have mortality issues, they're telling us there's a problem. They're telling us we need to continue to practice, right? We can't accept status quo and we have to keep driving towards a better solution. And I would tell you that's probably the biggest learning for me is that um, you can be frustrated, being frustrated doesn't mean you have to stop trying. So it's gonna be a challenge. Um, It's going to be uh, some wins, hopefully two steps forward, maybe a step back every once Mm -hmm. in a while, but just keep trying. And so when you've got other disease challenges that are similar, when you have genetic diversity and other pathogens, keep trying and leverage the new diagnostics. That's probably a technical tidbit I would throw out. That's uh, As we get better on the diagnostic end and we are better able to characterize the pathogens we're working with, be open to the fact that, yeah, the tools I had yesterday may not have made me a great decision-maker, but the tools I have today are different and they may, may, be a, may make me a better decision-maker. And So be open to, to, to getting better every day. Excellent. Well, we'll leave it there.
0: We have been talking to Dr. Clayton Johnson. He is a veterinarian at Carthage Veterinary Service Clayton, thank you again, and best of luck with your program.
1: Thanks, Joe.